Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everything is better with creators. The podcast that takes a deep dive into all things creator economy. Produced and presented by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. With your hosts, Ashley Rudder, Emma Harmon, Jamie Goodfriend, and Marco Batosi. Welcome to the Everything is Better with Creators podcast, VidCon edition. <laughs> I can't help myself. VidCon's so major. It deserves that level of sound effects. Anywho, I'm Ashley Rudder, your guide to all things happening in the creator economy. Every week, myself or my colleagues, Emma Harmon, Marco Bertazzi, or Jamie Goodfriend will be hosting this podcast. So on this week's episode, we feature a panel discussion from VidCon, the highly influential creator conference for brands, fans, and creators. So imagine you are an up-and-coming creator. You have built up your fan base to the point that brands come calling. Well, before you ink that contract, you may have tons of questions about what you're signing. After all, you barely know these people, and they're probably a little savvier about business than you are. I mean, think about it. Could you be getting a raw deal? To help creators sort out questions like these, VidCon hosted a panel discussion entitled Spotting the Red Flags, How to Spot a Bad Manager, Sponsor, or Contract, and What to Do if You've Already Made a Deal with Them. This panel was moderated by Kaya Yurif, a major voice in the creator economy at The Information. Alongside two of Whaler's top talent managers, Megan France and Amron Lopez. And to round out this incredible panel, they were also joined by Eric Way, the co-founder and CEO of Carrot, whom we've already met on an earlier podcast episode. So make sure you take out that pen and paper and get ready to take down some notes. All right, DJ, drop that beat. And now it's time to bring up the headliner of the evening. Please welcome to the stage the big interview. Everything is better with creators. Do we have creators? Raise your hand. Okay. Do we have town managers? Okay. Industry folks? Okay. Okay, good. All right, awesome. Um, I think we're going to have a really fun discussion today. Um, we're going to talk about red flags, what to do, what not to do, what to look for a manager. Um, why don't we start kind of 101? What is the difference between a manager, an agent, and then a business manager? Just to, we're all, we're all on the same page. Do you want to 
you know, for our auditions, um, a manager is really the one who's responsible for more of like a 360 overall business relationship with their client, or an agent who's a bit more transactional. An agent might represent hundreds of people because they're just kind of sending folks out. A manager is just only going to manage between five to 20 clients, depending on how much of a workaholic they are. Um, and then a business manager is really the one who's helping set up your business, set up estimated tax payments, all the nitty-gritty stuff that you might need a business manager to do. Yeah, and to add additional color to that, when it comes to agents, they're more transactional because they're the ones that you can make deals. However, managers tend to be more personal and handle things from, you know, personal things for clients, but at the same time providing that strategy and in, in the weeds with them so that we, we're able to guide them and be sort of like their co-pilot for their journey to wherever they want to get to their careers. One of the best pieces of advice I received from my favorite careers, Ellen Choi, was he said for him, he wishes he had focused on building a relationship even with his manager beyond the transactional. Because while it's absolutely true that your manager is your manager, you want your agent to fight for you. And to do that, it's always worth investing and getting to know them too as well, even though, yes, they are more focused on bringing you deals. And how do creators know if they should have a manager at all? We talk a lot about like right and left brain, and that it's very difficult to context switch between creating content and living your best creative self and then negotiating a right deal all in the span of a half an hour. Um, and that's really what's required to run a business as a creator is how to do all those things. So when you reach a point where you feel like the business side of it is affecting the creative side, it's going to be different for everyone. There's not necessarily a number or a revenue. It's more of a feeling that's really what's going to make sense for your manager. Because obviously, managers work on commission, so there is that trade-off when you're handing over that side of your business in exchange for that commission. Then you get to fully immerse yourself in creative and really get to go all in and know that your manager is fighting for you and giving you the best deal and protecting you. <laughs> um, and what's the vetting process like? Like, what should creators look for when they're thinking about getting a manager? Like, what what could be some potential red flags there and things to watch out for? Yeah, I think when you're looking for a manager, you want to make sure that you're meeting with someone that really understands you and someone that you're going to be comfortable working with. Because at the end of the day, it's a relationship, and you have to feel you have to feel comfortable with the person that you're working with, making sure that there's someone that's going to champion for you. But most importantly, you want to work with someone that's listening to listen to you and really understand your perspective, and not just someone there who is going to take that commission that they're not adding to your business. So it really depends. You have to be comfortable with them and they have to have like a business strategy for you that you're going to be comfortable with and that you're confident with. And to add on to that, I would really say in the vetting process, put any potential manager to task. I always offer up to any potential clients that they can speak to any of my current clients as if I'm interviewing for a job and I have references. I want the potential client to feel like if they were to join my roster, that they're in good hands and they relate to the other creators that I work with. So it really is like a rising tide of small ships. Um, and just, you know, just know that this industry's been around a while and it's now very easy for someone to buy a domain, make a one-page website, call themselves a manager, and just start emailing all of the creators who they don't have managers. So really make sure you understand their experience, the brand they worked with, outside of brand deals, the projects they worked on for clients, like interview them as if you are the CEO of your business, bringing on the CEO up. Awesome.
two storage carriers that really admire. I ran into Hilary Smith yesterday at a group we work with, and his partner actually said, working with a manager is almost like finding the love of your life, and that it's deeply important. And the first person who comes along and shows interest in you might not be the right one. The second point I'll add is from another creator who worked with closely named Tejas Valor. And he said for him three big things he thinks about. Number one is, hey, working with this agent or this manager, is this going to send, save me at least an hour of my time every week? Number two, to your point on negotiating better brand deals, he said he saw the firsthand power of his manager when he was doing a deal with Shopify. And his manager actually knew how much Shopify was spending on creator and influencer budgets that quarter and how much was left. And was able to propose a price that he knew Shopify was willing to pay, as opposed to like if it was just him, he's just like making up numbers, right? So saying looking for someone who has leverage. And the third point you just mentioned that I really appreciate is like, hey, finding someone who also can be the bad guy. One time he did a video for a client and he uh, back and forth, the client said, hey, actually, I want you to shoot it. I want you to change it. He just is going to be like, yeah, sure, totally, why not? And then his manager's like, no, 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 we, we don't do that. This is what you asked for. You didn't give us that, like, this is the video you're going to have. And having someone who could do that and letting Tejas retain his brand as a career, he found really valuable. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And what are industry standard commissions? Like, what should creators be? Because I think you come into this, you don't know what an appropriate percentage that you should give managers. So, what 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 standard? Yeah, typical industry standards between fifteen to twenty percent. If you do bring on an agency uh, to kind of build out your team, oftentimes management will drop the commission down and it'll be a 10 times split. So, outdoor, it's just going to the creator, and then you'll build out a larger team all together. And how many clients should a manager have? How, how many clients should a creator feel comfortable with? Because I imagine if they have a roster of you know, 100 people, you know, you're not getting much attention in that, in that situation. I think it really depends. It's really up to the manager and what they're able to handle. So sometimes uh, some managers have a but typically I think a good roster for the industry is like 8 to 15. Yeah. And I think it also depends on the size of the company. You know, there are many managers that are essentially running their business themselves and they can only handle about five clients because we do a lot of financing, they're really doing everything. We learn we're very fortunate it's a chance of person company we leave a lot of resources to run into so we can scale up our efforts with more creators because we have designers, we have finance team, we have lawyers, we have yeah. resources that we can really um, Yeah, and on top of that too, we also work together as a team at the order. So sometimes we would tag a team and like share our time together because you know, something, there's some things that we can do that the other person is able to add uh, value to and have, you know, sometimes two brains instead of one. And so it's, it really makes the creator feel like, okay, I'm protected because like, I have people Really know my interest and who knows what they want this campaign for me. And what else can manage the public beyond sponsored posts and deals? Like, what else should a manager be doing for a creator? Like, in general, like for me, um, I like to sit down with a creator and ask them, okay, what is your long term goal, short term goal? Help them manage expectations so that when we know what we're working with, that it's not just really brand deals, but there's things that are past social media that they want to pursue. 
So I was starting just like different ideals. It's like the strategy. Us managers seeing what is happening out there right now, gathering this information so that we can educate our clients on the current trends. What I'd like to say is that there's a big difference between being trendy and being on trend. Being trendy is a problem what's happening out there, whereas being on trend is is us understanding what industry standard is, what's happening in each platforms, the brands, and educating our clients on those. So that way, when they create content and we have a strategy to them about it, they can put their skin to it and create new trends that will hopefully bring in new revenue and them to become like the key opinion leader on that. I think a good manager is really going to advocate for the big picture. I know a lot of creators, they get this audience seen like overnight, they're chasing an algorithm, they feel like they need to produce content at an untenable scale, and that is a direct path to burnout. And oftentimes, our conversations with Joe or business therapists are like, let's talk about the five year plan, the one year plan. Like, how can we ensure that this job you love doing, you can do it for as long as you'd like to? Are and what the market and what's going on in the market. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. 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 I think that's a really good question
Yeah, I think what creators forget is we do need something to sell against. So if they haven't posted for three months or, you know, got to their views are down or whatever it is, that affects our ability to negotiate great rate from them. Like, we can't pull deals out of order because we are working with blue-chip brands that have set budgets. I mean, all managers are working with the same 1,000 brands. Like, no manager is really that special and is able to guarantee brand deals for their client. It's a bit of that relationship where the client really needs to put in the work to turn up that interest to give the manager something to sell against. Thank you. So at Karen, we're not agents or managers, but we build financial products for creators. Think of us maybe as a creator's private banker. So we see a lot of financial data on creators and the brand deals they receive. And I think I'll make three points. The first one is, your question is a little bit tricky to answer because going to what you alluded to, depending on the type of content you make and the genre you're in, it super really varies. There are some creators who can do a brand deal every couple of weeks, and there are some who are only going to be doing one every couple of months. And of course, the scale of that brand deal really matters. If you are, for example, as you alluded to, a financial creator, right, the rates are going to be getting are much higher than, say, for example, if you're targeting younger demographics. So that's the first point we see. The second one is typically, though, from a mixed perspective, the majority of creators who we serve at Care today, more than half of their revenue is coming in from brand deals, right? I like to think, you know, YouTube in the old days and 10 years ago, it just basically be all assets. And like brand deals should probably are going to be a really significant degree of what you're making. And the third one I'll make is I think this also goes back to Elon's point on hey, a good manager, someone who's helping you think of your career and revenue outside just brand deals. With the current macro recession, we're seeing it's like 20 to 30% on brand deals, right? Because hey, brands are scared, people aren't spending as much. And so I'll also say it's not just about oh, how many brand deals you're going to be getting, it's also hey, what's the mix of brand deals in my portfolio as a career, as opposed to other ways that I can monetize and make money too, especially if in the near term, brands are going to be a little bit more scary and be paying lower rates. It's also a very unsustainable business line. Anyone who's ever worked in sales and has building a pipeline, there's no way to predict that things will go through the end of that pipeline and what you can guarantee will close. Being a creator working with brands is the exact same methodology. You'll notice your brand deals might go down in August when everyone in America is going on vacation. They might spike in December because the CMO of the brands are like, hey guys, spend all this money or you don't get it next year. So brands throw money at creators or it's the holidays and they're trying to sell as much stuff as possible. But then in January, again, everyone goes on vacation and it plummets. So that's really why we look to develop those more sustainable business lines so that brand deals are additive. They're not like, if I don't get a brand deal this month, I won't be able to pay my rent. Actually, Megan and Ross, both of you managers, I might ask, what are some of the favorite ways you help creators think about, hey, like, what's more outside there beyond just brand deals? Especially in this environment now. You know, we're going into a potential recession. You know, like Eric just said, you know, rates are down. Some people are pulling rent sponsorships. Like, what are good managers doing in, in this situation? I think the one. You know, just like expanding your business outside the brand deals and also diversifying your content, making sure that it's trendy, but at the same time, too, like figuring out the passive, passive email for them. So, this way, they're not just like heavy relying on brand deals, so trying to figure out how that will look like and, you know, identifying like if the talent wants to act, you know, what are other passions. So, this way, we can figure out like how we can help monetize on that and start, you know. Training your audience to see some of the bad ones. Yeah, I mean, you know, we point clients in the direction of business lines that don't have middle hands. So we're 
purchase your day example, or like you will sell as much merch as you're willing to talk about it, as much as you are willing to push it to your audience, like you are the one that's driving that. Patreon, Cameo, those things are gonna say, there's no way I can prevent you from being able to make money you want to make. And then the other thing I'll say is we have close relationships with all the platforms, and we're constantly coming out with new monetization programs and pilots, but we're looking for creators to try it out, and we know that. The attention economy, like creators are still overwhelmed. We're focused on where to spend their time. That, like, you know, Instagram can do reels. If they have a new bonus program coming out, we might dump a lot of money into that program to get creators to use it. And those are conversations that your manager should be having with the platforms at least quarterly, if not monthly. So, you know, like, hey, they're really pushing this reels bonus program. I can make sure you dedicate time to it. So, in some ways, whenever there's a crisis, there's always opportunity as well. If you think high level, like as a creator, like how do you make money, right? There's really three ways. One is off of your content directly, i.e. AdSense from Google or subscription revenue from Patreon or Twitch or OnlyFans or Thanos. The second is yes, brand deals by talking about somebody else's brand. And the third is really launching your own products and services. And what's really fascinating is, yeah, there are creators who really start on one of those and it's the personality and connection they have with their community grows, they're able to switch into one or the other. I.e., look at somebody like Graham Stephan, right? Real estate, into financial literacy, starting very much in AdSense. Then he goes and launches a course on how to do real estate better. Then he goes and launches a coffee business, a coffee line, because people just love him now as a personality. And so my point on crisis and opportunity come hand in hand is maybe right now if brand deals just aren't as strong of a revenue source as they been traditionally, that means you get to double down on building extremely good content and community that you might then be able to leverage into fan-supported revenue or launching your own product lines. There are creators out there who actually, sometimes they say, hey, I want to hold back on brand deals now because I don't want to quote unquote dilute my content. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard and will come along with us as we navigate this journey to the promised land of the creator economy. Make sure to follow or subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to listen to audio. And of course, a rating or review would be much appreciated if you get the chance. And special thanks to Kaya Yarif, Amron Lopez, Megan France, and Eric Way. Make sure to check out more from Whaler and all things at the intersection of a talent network, brand partnerships, technology, and creativity at whaler.com. And be sure to join our active community on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. For Everything is Better with Creators, I'm Ashley Rudder. Catch you next time. Everything is Better with Creators is produced by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. Learn more at whaler.com. Hey, welcome to the Next Wave podcast. Consider us your chief AI officer in your business. 
My name is Matt Wolf. I have the number one YouTube channel in the AI space. I also run futuretools.com and I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Lands, founder of lore.com. We want to bring you the latest AI news and trends, show you how you can use AI in your business and personal life and help make it super easy for you to understand and execute. We're going to equip you with the knowledge to thrive in this upcoming wave of change.